Welcome to BCC Beyond the Shoots is presented by Parasite Systems. In this episode, we talk with Joe Farley, Sam Swearingen, and my daughter Kathleen about their Attica Rodeo memories. We learn about the early days and early experiences, the sense of community, swimming, first rides, best rides, and some in-the-arena memorable memories. We start this episode with Joe's memory of his early days before he was even competing. We hope that you enjoy. It's the Attica, you know, and that was my favorite. Still is today, always will be. <laughs> It'll be the day I die. Attica, I don't know. I just, I was going there. I was going there at seven years old. Attica. Oh, oh, really? Okay, okay. So that's connecting some of these dots. So you had seen some of the other cowboys at that point at seven years old. You're sitting in the grandstand. I didn't sit in the grandstands. I sat up by the edge of the fence. I was. I was right up by the buck and shoots there at the end. We're at at the buck and shoots. They wouldn't let Wardy wouldn't let me go behind. Though I got to be about 11, 10, 11 years old. I can go up on the back of the shoots. That's quite a promotion. Oh yeah, I went from the where the swing gate to go in, and now it is right on the back of the shoots. Oh yeah, I was thought I was in heaven. I started going there when I was around seven or eight years old. Wasn't competing or nothing. There was a bunch of families, uh, had a lot of kids, we all played. It was fun, you know. Um, and then we'd all get in the calf scramble, you know. We always had a calf scramble, so we'd, we'd do the calf scramble. So this would have been early 60s, Joe? That, that would have been 1960, either 66 or 67. I'll start my death going with a fellow was like my dad, Ward Mitchell. And we camped out for the weekend, you know. It was a lot of fun. And it was a it was a big community kind event. No doubt the rodeo, but a lot going on all the time. I mean, people are camping there. They're there for the whole the whole four day period. Well, we get in there. They had a I, back then. I think they they did uh, four performances: Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon. So a lot of parties, a lot of a lot of yeah, uh, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny. Everybody was just we're all family, right? But I mean, everybody scattered around, and there wasn't a lot of campers back in that day. Everybody basically had tents. Now there may have been a few of them that had a some sort of a camper deal, or you know, a cap or something in their back of their truck. But they all had grills and. Just pull everything out in their coolers, you know. And overall, you could go, you could go at breakfast time. Frank, you could go around to ten, fifteen places if you wanted to grab something. Yeah, I'd go around and go to the Snyder's, you know, Tom Snyder and Judy Snyder, or run over to the Weather Ups, Opama Weather Up. Uh, go over there and Red Parker and and his, his family and just several of them, you know. Uh, the Skillet, the Skillet family, Bob Skillet. Yeah, we had uh, three daughters. Yeah. So, so were these uh, all these families? Were they also rodeo competitors, or just hanging out for the weekend? A lot of them were. Yep, a lot of them were the families. You know, their mom and dads or whatever. And they, oh, the Parker family, Red Parker. He used to ride bareback horses. That well, that was before I came around. He he was a he was one of the judges and a board member of the ERA back then. 
And and what are some of the the late night shenanigans that went on, Joe? Well, <laughs> that was the best. A lot of kids there, they were younger, you know. I was like, well, there's several of us my age and some maybe older. They'd have a little party afterwards, you know. Uh, oh, they all get having a few alcohols, you know, beers or whatever. And, and just be a lot of fun, you know, for us kids. And we'd be out chasing each other, playing tag, you know, where they were partying in the same little area there where they served the food and that. Uh, there was never no beer tent there like there was today. They didn't have any of that there. They just everybody brought their own over, you know. They carry their coolers over there underneath a little uh, little pavilion type thing they had there then. Okay. Yeah. And the rodeo probably wrapped up around 11 o'clock at night. Roughly, yeah, probably. Yeah. 10, 10 o'clock, 10.30, I think. Seems like, yeah. And then, and then was there music? Was there, yeah, what was going on? There, there was a, well, yeah, I think there was a little music there. Uh, not, not a band or anything that, uh, yeah, there wasn't no band. Maybe somebody had a radio or whatever. And, you know, there was, there was, well, I couldn't tell you. I'm just going to throw a number out there. Well, I'm going to say there might be, not counting the kids. Some of the kids got to go to bed, the little kids. So these are, I'm going to say, you know, seven, eight, ten, whatever. But yeah, they, uh, a lot of a lot of guys. You know, they were playing play jokes with each other on different things. It was kind of funny. And Dick McAllister, the McAllister family, and he was he was a he was a good old guy, Dick there. But anyways, he was the rodeo clown back then, a uh, funny man. He didn't do much bullfighting. You know, he very well could have. I don't think he did. He was a feral man. I don't think he got out trying to chase any bulls off. Anyways, they're, they're all one night. It's probably, oh, I don't know. It's got to be midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I can't remember. But, you know, there's a bunch of them went to bed. But there were still probably 10, 15 people around. Anyways, they're a little better. And, and uh, Dick McAllister, he got pretty intoxicated. And he kind of said he was going to bed. He'd had enough. So he wandered on. He wandered on over down over there where his tent was. And uh, he had a, him and his wife. And there was, uh, I think there was, there was four boys they had. Three, four boys, I believe. Well, they were all in bed. But anyways, I was still up. There. Well, I was up and uh, a couple other kids were up there. Uh, boy, some names out of my head. There's only a couple, three of us, well, and I was told to make sure I was in bed by like 11 o'clock or so, you know, uh, with Ward Mitchell. And Ward was around, and he knew I was up, and he said, you make sure you get to bed. And he went to bed, and I uh, I said, yes, sir. Well, it was so much fun for me listening to them guys, you know, pecking and stabbing a little bit at each other. And the old Dick, he takes off. <laughs> He's going, I mean, he was, I, I was just a kid. He's staggering there, you know. He's probably got to walk. He's got to walk down there to the back end of the Concord area where they served the food and that today, you know. It's kind of the same deal, but well, he had to walk straight back in there by the trees. And I don't know. They decide they're like, kind of around. I don't remember word for word, but they thought they'd go over and kind of raise old deck. So on the way over, one of them, I think it was Bernie Buckenmeyer. I could be wrong. Might have been one of the other guys. Could have been Dick Miller. I, uh, but anyways, uh, they get a lariat. 
right? And I shoot, shoot, I'm off wanting to see what's going on. I can hear what they're saying, what they're going to do, you know. They stopped and got a rope on, like Bernie or whoever got a lariat out. They go over there to the camp. Dick's, Dick's passed out. I, I mean, he's got to be passed out. He hadn't been in. He hadn't been in bed ten minutes. I don't think. <laughs> but anyway, it probably took him ten minutes to get there. He's. I think he. I think he fell down once or twice. I. I can't. I'm pretty sure he was pretty. He got into the whiskey, let alone the beer. You know. I, yeah. They. Bait. He'd like to do that a little bit, I guess. It was all for fun, right? But anyway, we get there and. They're trying to be quiet, you know, a little bit, but not real quiet. And they get that rope down. He's in a sleeping bag. It's a little cooler that night, one of them cooler nights in Attica. It's on a Saturday night. And they take that lariat and they wrap it down around the end of his legs there in the sleeping bag. And he's got his, he's got the sleeping bag up, like, by over his neck, kind of. You can see his face, I guess. You know, he was inside the sleeping bag when <laughs> All right, so they took that rope, and it took them a couple of times. There was a branch up in the air there. I don't know how high. I'm going to say, let's say 20 feet. Maybe it wasn't that high. Well, they throwed it a few times. Finally, it fell over where they could reach and grab it, right? So there's about three of them guys. They start tugging that thing, and I thought about halfway up off the ground with his feet coming up in the air, Dick came too. Upside down. Yeah, he was going. He was headed that way, yes, at that time. And he gets yelling and screaming there, and I can't recall all, but it was all good, you know. He was he he was laughing as he was yelling at him, put me put me down. Well, they took up okay, they took him right up about ten feet off the ground with his head. He can't get out, you know. He, he wasn't trying to unzip, but he couldn't go nowhere. Guess he wasn't too drunk, and he unzipped his sleeping bag, but he he was trying to squirm and he was swinging, you know, kind of by because he was moving all over. Oh, it was funny. So they kind of, they, they, they ease him down, they ease him back down, and he about gets down to the ground, and then buggers, they took him right back up. <laughs> but he was a good sport about it. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get even with you guys I'm, the next morning there, I guess uh, he was right after all of them. You know, he knew who was there. He did know who was there. Yeah, Dickie Miller and Bernie and... And uh, Dick Knapp, and, and just them, you know, them fellas were, oh, shoot, now they're about all gone. I think they are. I think they played up. Yeah. They were a bunch of fun guys. Joe, do you have any swimming stories? I do. All of us kids, we would always go down there and swim, you know. Uh, had a little area in that creek. Yeah, and the creek wasn't too far away from the arena, right? No, it was, it was. Right behind, right, right dead behind it, you know, couldn't have been maybe a couple hundred feet if that. We uh, were all down there swimming, you know. Well, from five, we get there Friday afternoon, swim there before the rodeo, but all the kids would, you know. And I mean, there was probably 20, 25 kids around there, if not more. Just family oriented, you know, just everybody brought their kids to camp the weekend. Did you wade? Was it deep enough to swim? Was there was there holes? Yeah, there was holes in it. There one one bigger type hole. Oh, I'm gonna say it was probably oh six foot, seven foot deep, maybe. And that was only in just a little radius area, not very. And then it got shallower, you know. And the farther you went out away from that, it may have been only up maybe up to your knees or less. That's as kids, you know. But it kind of was a hole in there. 
we would swim there, and there was an old uh, old railroad trestle that used to go across there. Well, that I don't know when that was taken out, but the railroad tracks didn't go across anymore. And there was like the concrete muffins and stuff was up there. Well, I was probably 12, 11. I mean, kids were jumping in there previous years, but you know, I just, I guess I was a little scared of heights and didn't want to do that. You know, seven, eight, nine years old. I think I was about 12. So how high were they, were they standing before they jumped above the water? I, that bridge, I'm going to say maybe 14, 15 feet. Oh my gosh. Into six yeah. or seven foot it's of not water. That deep. Yeah. It's not that deep. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of bigger kids would jump in, and actually, some of them guys they they would dive in there. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm like, man, I can't believe that. But they must knew how to. Well, they knew how to. I say older. They might have been fourteen, you know, thirteen, fourteen. Dive in head first. Yeah, they go in and come right back up here. I don't think they didn't really. They knew how to get their body arc to come back up, you know. And it, it was probably it was kind of wide though. You know what I mean? Wide in length, I mean, you know, and then pretty decent wide in the width of it. But, but they always would do that. And there used there were some pilings there. There was a deal that happened with a fellow, uh, Don's uh, only son, because he had all girls and one boy. I think there was five of them girls and weather-up girls. Weather-up. Yeah, and weather-up girls. And Don, uh, Don was a great guy. Uh, but anyways, uh, his son... He got in a he had gotten a bad automobile accident a couple of years previous at this little deal that happened. Oh, and he my. would go down there and swim and stuff, but for some reason he decided he wanted to go up on that little concrete pyramid deal there and he he was gonna jump. Well he dove in. He dove down there. I heard all the, I didn't see him when he did it because a bunch of us down in that water playing. I heard the yelling going on, you know, when he jumped. And I thought, it wasn't that he jumped, he dove in. You know, I did not see that dive part. But when he went, he went right straight kind of down because them wooden pillars, there was about four, five, six of them in there. But they were, like, closer to the edge of the creek, you know, where he was up on. And he just, instead of diving out more, mostly he was just going to jump. That's what they said. And then next thing you know, he dove. Well, there were some guys doing the diving, so he thought he's going to dive in, I guess. That water was a little muddier because all of us kids in there. And now, now and then you might have, when you got out, you had to get some matches and burn them leeches off you. You get them, you know, the crick, them crick leeches. When that happens, when, they, when that, that, you can notice the blood in the water, even though it was brown, yucky kind of water, you know, you could almost see the... From his accident? From his accident, he hit right on right on the uh, side or top of his head. I can't remember just where. Um, he was conscious. There was uh, there was some other there were some other parents there. You know, they jumped right in the water. You know, because and you know got him out. And he was conscious and everything. That was uh, that was like scary in a way, especially for us. Even me at that time, it was a little scary. You know, when he did that, like people scraper to dancing the hospital. They, oh yeah, yeah. They, they, somebody, somebody ran up through, called an ambulance. More people came down. Um, yeah, I think there was basically maybe wives around there. It might have been a husband or two, but the wives. But then some more guys come, you know, and they got him. And all they brought some towels or sheets or something and wrapped on his head to stop the bleeding a little bit. And what didn't seem like it was too long. The ambulance got right there. And, uh, 
loaded him up and off he went. And he was back the next day. He was all bandaged up with white bandage around his head. But that was a, uh, that was kind of, that's a kind of a scary, or, uh, especially to us kids. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't know who, but I'm sure some of them were a little younger and they were crying and everything else as kids, you know. In this next segment, Sam and Joe talk about their first time at Attica as competitors. Sam and Joe both were in the bull riding. I hope you enjoy. Well, Doug, there's, uh, I guess we'll start out from the very first time I entered the Attica rodeo and it, uh, Picks out my mind pretty good. I was 12 years old and entered the bull riding and got on the first bull that uh, was a beef bull that loped around in a circle and rode him. He stopped at the out gate and dad was standing there. He said, sperm, sperm. So I spurred him, but he didn't do much. (laughs) You know, that was my first professional bull ride uh, at a rodeo. Okay. Why you? enter your kid at 12 years old is beyond me now that I know that, well, it's not beyond me. I understand that uh, you got to have people that like you in order not to do that stuff. <laughs> no, uh, uh, But it, it uh, yeah, I, I rode the bull and it was a two header. It was two so, header. Uh, okay. Okay. A two header. So the next bull I drew um, uh, was probably the best bull they had there at that time was probably not much in today's standard, but at that time it was the king of the bull riding. You know, mm-hmm. he was, I remember his name was Spex and, uh, he was a speckled bull that jumped out and turned back and threw me right back into the chutes. I climbed up the back of the chute and down the other side and didn't want to go or anybody to see me what happened. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, tried to hide, tried to get my way out of there without anybody noticing anything. No, okay. Yeah. So a bit was, embarrassed. Uh, uh, quite a bit embarrassed, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. At the time, I was the, the kid, you know. I was the kid that could do anything, you know, yeah. rope and ride and do it all. And I just got slammed off like I'd never been on one and crawled up the back and crawled crawled away licking my wounds but uh, <laughs> yeah it uh it was an experience it, it you know to have one that really bucked it was an experience and, okay you know so it's interesting so would that be 1961 sam 12 years old you was born in 59 <laughs> i think you missed a few years in there oh Maybe i'm sorry 71, 71. <laughs> I, I, i'll edit that out okay 19 <laughs> 1971. Oh, my. Oh, my. My math. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll do your bookkeeping for you, Sam. Yes. I'll no, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Make sure it's the other way around. It, exactly. no, well, that might be good for uh, deductions. Tell me about the very first time you rode in the Attica Arena. During a performance, whatever, the very first time. How old were you? I was 14 years old. I, I got, I rode to Attica, New York. Yeah. And I think I've been to a couple other ERA rodeos that year. Sodus made, Sodus Bay, I think. Uh, maybe Lima, because I can't remember dates wise, but 
But anyways, I was 14 when I uh, rode at Attica. And and you had to be 14, or did, did uh, you know? That's what, well, that's what, my, that's what Ward Mitchell told me. That's what he told me. I, and I kept saying I was ready like at 13. You're not ready yet, boy. I go, yeah, I am. <laughs> 14. In the bull riding against everybody. Or was this mm-hmm. a junior bull riding? No, sir. No, sir. That, it was with the, it was with the uh, big boys. This was the real deal. This was the real deal. You know, I, well, I've been waiting for it. Well, I don't know. For a long time, Doug, a long time. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't wait to do it. Did you ride one time during the whole rodeo, during the three days or whatever, or did you? I think I think I did get on an extra bull, but I'm pretty sure it was just a one-head bull riding back then. Because you get some Canadian guys, and it seems like there was a lot of, a lot of bull riders and even bareback riders. You know, saddle bronc riders are probably a little less than the barebacks. And what do you remember, Joe, about that first ride? Anything stand out for you? I made the whistle. You did? Okay. (laughs) Okay. I made the whistle. I don't think I placed. I can't remember. I don't think I did. I made the whistle. Yes. Next, Joe and Sam tell their stories about other competitors' performances that stood out for them. What about any any outstanding competitors that came through there that you either competed against or yeah, as a stock contractor that really caught your attention? Yeah, there there is one that stood out, uh, Ryan Jarrett, and I don't know if you know who he is, but uh, Team Roper, he uh, Team Roper, Calf Roper, and Steer Wrestler. He he actually won the all around at the PRCA. He was there one year. Uh, he, he's the one that kind of stood out the most. I don't know if you, he's the man that, at the NFR one year that calf was right against the fence and he couldn't rope him. And he turned around and did rope them the opposite way. I don't know if you'd remember that, but uh, instead of roping a normal loop, he swung it like a pasture loop and swung it the other way and roped the calf and tied it. And he, he, the calf was so close to the fence, he could have never roped him the other way. And, and that was the big to-do for the whole NFR that year is what what he did, you know. And that was probably just his mentality. He did what you had to do to win, going back to didn't you want no money. Yeah, Ryan Jarrett was, was there probably the year or two before he won the all-around in the PRCA. I remember a guy, Tom Tusi at Attica. I was probably, I don't know, 18, maybe 17, 18. Tom Tusi uh, had a bull called Wipeout, a uh, purebred Brammer, uh, the contractor Bud Chase owned, and he brought stock that year to Attica. And Tom drawed him. Well, Tom was up in Canada, and I didn't know at the time. I don't know how many people did know, but so we got there that he had broke his leg, and he was in a cast. And he climbs on this bull wipeout. It's been on him a week. He did it the weekend before. It's been on him a week. Well, he did have a week to heal up, Joe. 
Well, I guess if you <laughs> but uh, you have to understand. Well, you do know Tom. Tom was a Tom was as tough as they came, and I mean a very great competitor, big time competitor. But yeah, but Tom. Uh, anyways, he gets on that bull. I I will never forget it today. I can still hear that thumping going on that bull side from that foot of Tom's spurring and with the cast on it. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of people seen that. Plenty. <laughs> yeah. Even old Mike Swearinger, Sam's got to remember too about Tusi doing that. And you could see the cast. You you knew he oh, was yeah. in the cast. Oh yeah, because he had his had his pants ripped up through. Yeah, he didn't even wear, yeah, he didn't even get his put his leggings on. He he didn't even have his saps on. Yeah. And and rode the bull? Oh, he rode the bull with authority. He won the bull ride. And there, I don't know, there was thirty five, forty bull riders there that year. Yeah, and Tom, you know, he was coming to get on regardless, you know, you, you didn't know what you had till you got there basically, you know, because they till they draw that. Tom had that wipeout bull and it's kind of a freak deal, too, because that bull's never really bucked that good. But that day at Attica, that night, it was on a Saturday night. That Saturday night, that bull jumped out there one jump and turned back to the left into Tom's hand. And I'm telling you what, that foot was, that cast a little heavy. I think I never had a cast on. That cast was going up above his head and drawing it back down. And I mean in a control right. In this final segment, Sam, Joe, and Kathleen talk about their in-the-arena memories. First year, I signed a contract. Act was gracious enough to let me have a chance at doing the Big Attica Rodeo. Um, and I wasn't real old and real experienced, but I think we were doing a good job of putting rodeos on back here in the Northeast, or I wouldn't have done it. If I didn't think I was doing it right, I wouldn't have done it. And they gave me the opportunity to come put on their rodeo. Uh, so I get up there, and the arena is about three, at least a foot of just mud where you couldn't walk in it. It was horrendous, just, just as bad as I seen. They came in with a chisel plow and ripped it up about a foot deep, and then it became a flood and just was, you know, tracking the calves the day before. They couldn't, they were belly deep. They couldn't get through the arena. You know, it's how do you put on a rodeo? And went to the committee and said, this, this just can't, we can't do it. You know, you're going to hurt animals. It's not, you know, and this is the first year I've had the contract to do this rodeo. And uh, so we had a little meeting there and, they made some phone calls and got somebody come in and start. And the weather came off beautiful. Sun came out and uh, they started hauling the dirt out of there and there's the mud out and bringing new dirt in. And we're going and it's getting close to rodeo time. I mean, it starts at eight o'clock and at six thirty, <clears throat> we're just they're still in the arena hauling it out. And the contractor came up. He said, "I can't do it anymore. We we, we can't." We're not going to get it. And uh, so we're looking around and trying to figure out and what we can do. And I said, well, 
did, and and they had what they had was was going really good. But he was right; they weren't going to be done in rodeo time, and people were starting to come in. You know, it's like, what do you do? So I said, well, go push everything you can to the corners, that like the far corners that we're not using, because they were starting at the rough stock end and working their way to the kind of that shoot. But they were about three quarters away done, you know, and they weren't going to get done. It, so what they did is they pushed them in the corners, and I ran, I think, home because I probably had the trailer there, and we gathered panels and fenced off this pile of mud that was probably 10, 12 foot high in the corners. And we fenced it off and uh, had a great rodeo. <laughs> it was great. So uh, uh, it, it was just on the fly, and uh, from then on, uh, you know, I did the rodeo every year after that, but it, it just shows you that the committees and what they can do and how hard, you know, putting the effort together if you'll sit down and discuss things, what you can come up with. And it, it, it worked out great. And that, I think that uh, ground that they brought in was just fantastic. And it's been there ever since. It's even in there now, you know. Uh, it was the right material to, to change it and make it good. Another one of my favorite stories, actually, it's one of my daughter's favorite stories from Attica, uh, would have been maybe a Sunday night performance again. Uh, not a huge, huge crowd. I don't remember if it had rained or whatever the case might be. But I do remember Robbie Hodges was the clown working the arena. And do you remember what happened, Kathleen? I'm on my horse. I'm on sister out in the middle of the arena. And all of a sudden, there's this flurry of activity. And what was it? Well, I know it was during the bull riding, I believe. And it was a little bit slow through there. And Robbie was making jokes, walking and talking. And you guys were talking back and forth. And there was that flurry of activity. And it turns out it was a goose that had landed in the grandstands. He just landed, and there wasn't a lot of people there. So it, he was, like, up on the top row or whatever. And Robbie was like, uh, what are those hunting dogs that point? He he just, he froze, and he saw it, and he just took off sprinting. And he was like, wait, 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 wait. I know. I can talk to him. I can talk to him. And he runs, and he leaps on the fence. You know how rodeo clowns can just balance on on arena fences for whatever reason and he looks at him and so he's 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 up there and you're like what are you doing he said no 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 i know how to talk to him i can see i can talk to him don't worry and you're like okay good deal go for it and he just stares at him and he goes aflac and it was quite honestly the funniest uh just off the cuff thing yeah. Do you think he arranged for that goose to be there? Did he have a goose that he traveled with? Do you know? I think that had he arranged for it, he would have had a peeking duck, which is a white duck, which is the Aflac goose. So I think if that were the thing, he would have had the right kind of duck. But I love Robbie. He was always able to think on his feet quickly, wasn't he? And and yeah, I do remember that. Um, I'm like, how did he set that up? That's pretty cool. I was riding very well and out on the road quite a bit and 
came back to Attica. Uh, it it was just one you tried to get to because it was the first one you rode at, and it was your hometown, and it, it was good. And I was, you know, riding pretty well, and you know, probably a cocky twenty-one year old kid that uh, thought he was conquering the world and could do anything. And uh, I had a bronc that uh, was just just what you would want, just jumped and kicked down the pen and, you know, was trying to show the world I was the star and show off and half cocky probably at that age and was riding out through there just making a great ride and got a little carried away and spurred over the neck of the horse and uh, went, landed on the back of my head. Boom. It was done. <laughs> So that taught me a couple lessons, not to be cocky, but uh, my wife's father came back and talked to him, and you know he di he didn't say much, but when he did, you listened. He said, "What's the matter, Sam? Didn't you want no money?" Like it stuck in my head from then on. You know, I was gonna win first, no matter what. Just just riding a horse decent, not being cocky and arrogant, and and for for being that way, I landed on the back of my head, and so <laughs> from that point on, it's like, okay, get the money, get the you money, know, do what it takes to get the money, you know, to win, do it, but not not be showing off or nothing, you know, get get the money. Now, now a bit of a different direction. Attica has been known on occasion to have a bit of a muddy arena. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> you, and and do you have a dogging story? Were you dogged in the mud? And and uh, how did that turn out? Well, I've been there in the mud, and I've been in there when that water laid across that arena. That's even worse. So, did you dog in bulldog in in that kind of condition? I did bulldog. That's yes, I did bulldog. I've seen that arena there a few times, but the bulldog in it, I have bulldog in it like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just get up water running muddy, soaky water. You got the gritty sand in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Your boots are full of water. Oh yeah, yeah, just everything. You yeah, yeah. That one year I headed well. A lot of guys said I'd we I did a crick. Go to the old go to the old swim hall. Oh okay. Oh, oh I see. Oh. Okay, rinse yeah. off down there. Rinse off down there. Yeah. Some guys might want to hold. I know I went right down below that one year. Just failed. And the water was a little high down there at the creek at that time. I just stepped in there, and, and it was a little dirtier, but I wanted to get all that grit off me. Yeah, for sure. And then you had to pick leeches when you got out. Uh, maybe not that time, because I had my clothes on. <laughs> I was still in my clothes. Oh, yeah. I see. You you, yeah. you rinsed everything off. Okay. Yeah, I jumped right in with everything, Bob. Yeah. 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 My boots, pants, dirt. <laughs> no cowboy hat. Yep, I'm going to miss that Attica rodeo. I know that. You know, I had to miss that thing when I went to the when I went over to the PRCA. I missed that for I think it was six years till they till they opened it up where you could go where you wanted to go to rodeo. And I used to that used to just burn my butt every time. There Attica weekend, I got to drive by that bugger. 
I mean, that's uh, that's home to me. Attica, that's my home rodeo. I'm gonna, I didn't live in Attica, but that's my home rodeo if I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. It was always the best. Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of them are good, right? But just me starting out at Attica, New York, the weekend, all the fun I had from seven years old till, well, till I come to Arizona. One of my favorite Attica stories of all time is what I call Sister and the Calf Scramble. Now, to understand this whole story, you got to know Sister. Now, we bought Sister. She's a bay horse. She was a bay horse. Kathleen, uh, do you remember how old she was when we got her? 17. 17 years of age. And Matt Swearingen had come up with her name Sister, yes, and he trained her? I don't think so, because I think he was four when he named her. He was four when he named her. He didn't train her, though. He just named her. Yeah. All right. So how old were you when we got sister? Uh, I believe 12. Okay. You were 12 years old. And I remember Sam came to us. We were at Benton, I believe, at the rodeo. And he came to us and said, would you want to buy sister? Because Sam Swearingen owned sister at the time. And, of course, Kathleen had ridden her a bunch at the rodeos and uh, around behind the scenes and everything. And, Kathleen, you were a fan of us getting sister. Tell us about getting sister when, when she first came to the house. <laughs> well, number one, I'm a fan of getting any horse for some reason. Um, <laughs> Pringles. Um, so sister was a bit like a freight train. You would get on her and it wasn't how long you wanted to go. It was yeah. how fast do you want to get there and should she do it all day? Yeah. And is there any place she wouldn't go for you? No, no. Sister would go anywhere and anywhere. Yeah. So the way Sister ended up in the rodeo arena, I had been using another horse that we had, and he had come up lame, and we were going to North Washington to, to announce a rodeo with Sam, and living in Michigan at the time, and you said, take Sister. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was... <laughs> oh, you're, you really are expanding this story for me. I like this, Catherine. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, I... <laughs> Why did you I say remember? I should take sister? Because she's just a little goer, and she likes to... In the arena, she loved to sit and watch all of the events. Anytime I was sitting on her outside the arena, she would sit, and her little ears would perk up, and she would just sit and stare at everything. Absolutely. And, and so I took her to North Washington, and guess what? Kathleen was absolutely right. Uh, what a, what a trip, what a cool, she was like riding a little 125 motocross bike. You'd scoot across the arena, you'd slide to a stop and drop your reins and she would just sit. Well, and, it wasn't quite a slide. It was kind of a stutter stop. Well, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here of sister. Yeah. You always compared her to Seabiscuit though. So it's not like a pretty raining picture. <laughs> no, that's true. But she would. I would drop the reins. I'm down by the time to Van end uh, the shoot, and it didn't matter what was going on. She watched every single run. She knew where every horse was, every calf was, every steer was, and she never moved a muscle. Yes. <laughs> and we went to Attica that same year, and... If you remember, we announced five performances there. I think performances, I think it was Friday night, Saturday night, 
I'm sorry, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. And one of those performances, and I think it was fairly late into the weekend, um, we had the calf scramble, as they always do. And my job was to announce it in. Um, one of our rodeo clowns, whoever that was at the time, was working the arena, and he'd be working with the kids, and all the kids come piling over the fences. And I was usually able to scoot out the end gate there before they let the calf loose. And I remember that you day. You got distracted. Though. I did. I was talking to Sam. Do you remember that? I was talking to Sam. It's Sam's fault. Well, maybe. But I look up, and here comes a calf. They had turned the calf loose, and there was, what, 100 kids, 150 kids in the rodeo arena at that time? Yes. Do you remember seeing this? And they come running. That calf comes running at me. I stand sister still, and I say, sister, don't move a muscle. Don't move a leg. You're with me. You get me out of this mess. We'll be fine. You're with me till the very, very end. And those kids, they went all around us. That calf ran all around us. I swear they were kids running under sister in between her legs, diagonally in uh, behind her, whatever it may be. And she never moved a muscle. She never moved a muscle. And at that end, uh, that of that particular event, I said, sister, you are with me to the end. Um... And fast forward now to um, March of 2012, Sam comes to visit us in Taylorsville, Kentucky. I think there was a PBR event or a bull riding going on, and he came to town, and he got to go out and see Sister. Of course, he had Sister for a number of years, put a lot of kids on Sister in high school rodeo. And the very next day, can you tell us what happened, Kathleen? Well, it was the very same day. He went out to see her about 11 o'clock. I remember they left around 1130. Mm -hmm. And Sister loved to sunbathe. She mm -hmm. would lay down when it was about 60 degrees. And she would stay there for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had come out probably 7 o'clock in the evening. And she was still in the exact same spot. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like that was... That was her full circle, and she had seen Sam, and that was that was what she needed. Yep. And how old was she when she passed away on that day? 31. 31 years old. Sister, the announcing horse, saved, uh, saved the day for us in the calf scramble, and as Kathleen said, full circle. Mm-hmm. Now, I hope you enjoyed listening to our storytellers tell their stories about their experiences at the Attica Rodeo. As we record this, the 65th Annual Rodeo is underway, and you can bet that new memories are being made, both in the rodeo arena and in the grandstands. Now, it'll be our job to record those memories in a future podcast. I've added some links from my research in the notes for your reviews. To make your listening easier, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Search for Beyond the Shoots and follow us. And remember, check out the New York State Rodeo Museum Facebook group page and become a member. Lots of pictures and stories and sharing on that great Facebook page. We also, Beyond the Shoots, have a Facebook page. We invite you to find it, become a member, and like, follow, say hello, leave us some comments. 
We'd like to say thank you to Parasite Systems for their support with our podcast. Now, Parasite System is a push-button parasitic diagnostic system for pasture animals, horses, cattle, goats, sheep, and chickens. And they have a brand new system for your companion animals, your dogs and cats. Get focused on treatment. Get the data you need to properly treat your animals for the exact infestation that they are carrying. You can find them at ParasiteSystems.com. Check us out on Beyond the Shoots webpage at BeyondTheShoots.show. This is Beyond the Shoots. Until next time, this is Doug Simcox. Thank you for listening.